We'll be right back to the show after this. Been on the fence about adding digital products to your Etsy shop? We put together a free 60-minute workshop teaching you the basics of selling digital products on Etsy and what it's done for our business. We'll give you behind-the-scenes look into our product and marketing strategies and all the tools you need to get started. Sound good? Head over to goldcityventures.com slash workshop to register for free. That's goldcityventures.com slash workshop. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren Keplinger, and I'm excited to be back. I'm doing something a little different with this podcast in the upcoming weeks to kind of give it a shot and see how it goes. Um, I felt for a long time like there was a lot of pressure for me to have the same length episodes every week, whether it was an interview or a solo episode or whatever. I've always tried to keep them around 30 minutes, if not a little bit longer, um, and have consistency in that way. And while I think consistency, generally speaking, is a good thing, um, it puts a lot of pressure on me to create this all of this content. And I mean, this is like pressure, putting pressure onto myself, mostly. Um, but you know, I talk pretty fast. I've actually gotten several reviews about that, um, with the podcast that I talk too fast. And so 30 minutes of content is a lot to come up with every week. Sometimes I just want to cover a topic, but I simply don't have 30 minutes worth of stuff to say about it. So I'm trying this kind of new idea um, where I'm just going a little bit more off the cuff, not writing out my whole script for the podcast, um, because that also like doubles at least the amount of time that it takes me to create an episode and just talking to you a little more off the cuff and not worrying about making sure that it's 30 minutes long. So anyway, I just wanted to give you that in case you start to see some shorter episodes or longer episodes or whatever. Um, and I also did away with the little song at the beginning of the episode because I don't think anybody really loves intro music anymore. Um, so yeah, things are changing. Today's episode is going to be about having competition in your space or in your market versus competing with people who are doing things that are similar to you. I think that that is somewhat of a semantics thing, um, having competition versus competing, but I think it's an important shift in your mind of how you're thinking about your business and thinking about your products, and then also how you're thinking about your products in relation to other people who maybe have the same products or similar products or whatever. There's always going to be competition in our market space, no matter what market space we are in. That is the nature of capitalism, and it's one of the good and the bad parts of selling online. If you can do it and you can make it and you can make a profit from it, then somebody else can do it and they can make a profit from it as well. And then more people can do it and then there's more and more and more competition and saturation of a specific market, whether that market is a broader, wider one like Etsy as a whole market or embroidery or baby quilts or whatever. Whatever it is at every level, that is true. 
I don't really think that this is a good or bad thing. It just kind of is the way that it is. So I don't spend a whole lot of time like thinking about, oh man, it's so bad that people can enter the same market space as me. Um, it's true throughout all kinds of retail and I mean, really anywhere that they sell anything. The things, you know, the designer clothes you see on a runway are copied by high-end department stores and then they trickle down to Target and all of those kinds of retailers. And everyone has their own slightly different version of it, but it's the same kind of trend, the same kind of style. They're all kind of copying each other. So to think that there's not going to be competition in any market is an unrealistic thought. It's always kind of what I think of when people say, you know, oh, there's so much competition in the online space or, oh, there's so much competition in my market. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, there is a lot of competition in the online space, but likely even if you sold it locally, there would be a lot of competition. Even if you sold it at a craft fair, there's probably going to be competition. And if there's absolutely no competition, no one in your town makes what you make, no one in your area sells these things, no one online sells these things, it might actually mean that the demand for that item is actually not really that high because inevitably the way that capitalism works is that when there is a lot of demand for the product, more competition is going to flood into the market space. So to me, having competition is important to know that as a seller, it's important to know that it's always going to be there. It's always going to be present no matter where you're selling, whether it is locally or online or whatever, on Etsy or off of Etsy or you know anywhere. And also that a lot of times the amount of competition that you have is indicative of the amount of demand for the product that you're creating. Now, I'm not going to pretend like there are not markets that do get oversaturated. And by oversaturated, I mean that there is so much competition within that market that it is difficult to find a place when you're making the same thing as everybody else. But that kind of brings me to point number two, which is how do you stay competitive in a market space for your products or a market space like a platform where there is a lot of competition. Because ultimately, I think that it is hard to sell nondescript products in oversaturated markets, which they all kind of are oversaturated at this point. Does that mean that you can't be successful selling online? Of course not. But notice that I said that it is diff more difficult to sell nondescript products. And I would even say that my own products do struggle with this a little bit. Um, I think that there are, not a little bit, I would say that my own products do struggle with this. I think that there are things that I could do to add uniqueness to the products that I haven't really done um, because I kind of go back and forth about where I want to go with the monogramming business and how much more time I want to commit to that business in order to continue to grow it. Um, generally speaking, I would say I'm fairly happy with the amount of sales that I have in that business and I don't necessarily want it to continue to grow bigger. But as an example, when I started selling my baby quilts 
And I believe I've told this story before, um, so I'm sorry if you've heard it before, but when I started selling my monogrammed baby quilts, all of the people that were selling them on Etsy had the monogram at a 90 degree angle in the corner of the quilt. That didn't really make any sense to me because you usually use these quilts kind of for display type purposes. So you're draping them over the back of a chair or the side of a crib or whatever. If the monogram is at a 90 degree angle, then it's sideways when you're draping it over something. So I know from my own children that that would not be my preference in design. I listed the very first baby quilts that I had with the monogram in the center of the quilt. Um, and it was like, like horizontally spaced onto the quilt. So it wasn't at an angle. And it was the only one at the time that was shown that way. All of the other designs showed the monogram at an angle in the corner. If you look on Etsy now, I would say probably 80% of the people that have quilts listed have them the way that mine are, straight across. Now, I am not pretending in this conversation that I invented a straight across monogram. Like, obviously, that is not true. Um, and that is not something that is a unique quality or a proprietary quality of my quilt. It just wasn't something that was offered at the time that I listed them on Etsy. That was a wild success for me. I have listings that have sold almost $200,000 worth of those quilts in one listing or two listings combined. Um, and so it has been, you know, wildly, wildly successful. However, as I sold more and more and more of those quilts, thousands and thousands and thousands of those quilts, inevitably, other people started doing the same thing, whether it was customers underpricing me, like customers going to someone else and saying, can you put the monogram this way instead because yours is priced lower than hers and so I would rather buy it from you, or whether it was just sellers doing their research and seeing what was selling really well or whatever, you know, however that machine kind of works to create those opportunities for people, other people had that design very similarly. It was not hard to copy because there's nothing particularly crazy about it. And so now the market has shifted to where that is um, the majority of those quilts. And again, I, I don't want to seem like I'm saying that I started this trend. I don't think that at all. I think I just got into that market at a good time where there weren't that many quilts being offered. And so I could put this little twist on the design and offer something different. And I think that that is really the key to staying competitive in a market space, whether it's a design element or a color or a font or a style or a size or a trend of some kind of like design element that's popular or whatever it is. When I say that it's difficult to stand out or it's difficult to stand to make sales in competitive spaces, which they all are, it is really true for those nondescript items. If you're making silver hoop earrings, yeah, it's probably going to be kind of hard to make those sales. If you're making calendar printables or to-do list printables, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty hard. So those things that anybody can kind of make, there's nothing really special about it. You haven't added anything crazy to it. 
Those are the places where your business will eventually kind of top out and drop off or it will never really get started because there's no reason for somebody to jump onto a new business that's offering something that is exactly the same as established businesses that have a much stronger presence in the market. So I don't think that competition is really the the issue there, I think that it is not really adding anything to the market that the market doesn't already have. And I think that that is a crucial part of continuing to grow your business and change and stay ahead of trends and watch where things are going. At this point with selling online, I think that it is almost impossible to only stay in the creative space of creating whatever it is you sell, whether it's a handmade item or artwork or whatever it is that you do, you can't only be good at the creative. You do have to have that analytical part that can say, well, maybe what I like to do is paint really um, abstract flower artwork but what is popular right now is watercolor flowers or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. That's just an example. And I have no idea if those things are popular. Um, but to be able to look at what is popular within your own industry and also add something to it that is not widely available or is not as popular or um, trendy, I guess, as what is already out there. I think where people get discouraged between having competition in the space and competing with other sellers is when they feel like they don't actually have anything unique or special to add to the space. So let's say you're a candle maker and you say, well, I love to make candles, but I don't want to do any kind of real graphic design or anything like that. I'm not going to pay anybody to make my labels. I'm not going to do anything like that. So I'm just going to have like a, you know, little um, whatever that brand is that makes like sticker labels. I'm going to slap it across the front of the jar and we're going to call it a day and I'm going to make vanilla scented candles. That's probably not really going to work that well online, uh, if we're just being really frank. <laughs> I would be very surprised if you had a lot of sales for that kind of just basic product, not a whole lot going on, nothing really makes somebody want to take that leap. Um, and I think that that's where people get discouraged when they look at, okay, but I love to make vanilla candles and there's already 40,000 people on Etsy selling vanilla candles. So how am I ever going to be able to compete in that space when what I really want to do is sell vanilla candles? Honestly, if I want, if I can just be really blunt with you, which is pretty much how I roll on this podcast, you really can't. You have to have something that makes it special. You have to have something that makes it unique. And all of the sudden, when you have that thing that makes it unique, it doesn't feel like you're competing with all of those other people because yours has this special element that theirs doesn't have. Maybe it's the label. Maybe it's the container that the candle comes in. Maybe it's the materials that you're making your candles out of or the kind of fragrances you use or the size of or the shape or whatever that looks like for your product. But 
once you find that piece that allows your product to be ever so slightly different without reinventing the wheel and coming up with an entirely new product, um, or like, and I don't mean an entirely new product, like a new scent of candle. I mean, like you have created a whole new, like you're an inventor and you have invented a new product. Um, once you find that little thing that you can add your little twist to it and make it unique, it doesn't feel like there is so much competition in the market. It feels like, well, yeah, I mean, Bath and Body Works sells vanilla scented candles, but they're nothing like my vanilla scented candles because I use um, essential oils in mine and they also can turn into lotion in the jar or whatever it is. You know, all of a sudden those two products are not equal to each other. So you're not really competing with this other brand, whether it's other sellers on Etsy or like larger conglomerate type stores. You're not competing in that space because your product is different and it's different in a way that allows it to add value to that industry or that niche of products. I heard someone say recently, and I really agree with this, that the, I, the product being handmade or the product being made by a small business is not enough at this point to make it stand out. Yes, I like to buy handmade candles. I like to support small businesses, but that's not going to be the make or break thing that's going to make me buy yours over the other 40,000 vanilla scented candles that are also handmade and also created by small business owners. So there are a lot of times where I see when I'll do shop critiques or whatever, where people will have all this stuff in their SEO and their descriptions and everything. These are hand poured. These are handmade, one of a kind. I do every single thing myself. That is great. <laughs> and it's a, a value add in so much as people care about that, if they do care about it, depending on what kind of products you make. But it's not enough of a value add to make you stand out in a market that has a whole lot of competition. There still has to be something not about you, not about your business, but about the actual product that makes it unique. So I think that to kind of sum it up or wrap it up, um, having competition is inevitable. You're always going to have competition if you put that creative spin on it and you come up with something that allows you to stand out in a market and have a unique product or a unique element of your product in that market. People are going to copy you over time. That is how it works. Do I wish that that was not true? Sure, but it is how it works. And so there's no way, even if you carve out a piece of the market for yourself, you're not going to hold on to that piece forever. You have to evolve, you have to continue to grow, and you have to continue to shift your business because there are gonna be other people that see that success and step into your shadow of whatever you have done that makes that product different. There is, that is an inevitable aspect of being in business. It's not even really about competing with other people. It's just kind of the way that sales and business and marketing and all of it work. 
But rather than looking at those people as competitors or like this person is stealing my design or this person is copying me or whatever, look at it as a, a broader spectrum of the whole industry. Distance yourself emotionally from that person or that business. And I'm not saying like look the other direction if somebody straight up copies you. Like if you have artwork and you are drawing something and somebody takes that drawing and uses it, then those things are legally protected. So I am not saying to look the other way when people do things like that. That is not okay. But when somebody is put taking your idea and putting their own twist on it and allowing that market to move in that direction, step back from looking at that person as your competitor and instead think about the way that you can continue to improve your product to better serve your customers, to better meet the demands and the needs and the function that your customer wants from the product and where your next move is, because the business can't be stagnant. There is no business that is stagnant, whether it is something that we think of as like a forever type product, Coca-Cola, um, or it's a new product and a new trend. Everything evolves over time. Their branding, their marketing, their materials, their recipes, everything evolves. So where is your next evolution and where is your next pivot point to continue to add to your industry, to continue to up the ante of your products and the value that you're providing to your customer. I hope this episode has been helpful for you um, and that it's kind of gotten your wheels turning about where your products need to go or where you have opportunities for improvement, whether you see your competitors doing something that you could do as well, or you could do your own little version of it um, that might be able to add value to your products, or whether you see a demand in the industry, a shift in the industry that you can step into and meet. Um, I hope that this has gotten those wheels turning about what that looks like for you and the future of your products. In case you missed the announcement last week, I have a brand new website up, crickets2chachings.com, where I have all of my trainings, templates, workshops, all of those things that are so much easier to find um, and buy and see what I even have to offer uh, in that shop versus the website before where it was kind of like hidden within the folds of the website. I do have a workshop coming up tomorrow, and that is all about increasing your Etsy conversion rate. It is happening at noon tomorrow. There will be a replay that will be posted in the course platform afterwards, and you will retain access to that replay so you can watch it, you can rewatch it later. Um, there's not, it's not like you only get like a week to watch the replay or anything like that. So if you want to get signed up for that, head to cricketschichachings.com and you will see that if you scroll just a little bit down the page, there is a sign up for that workshop, increasing your Etsy conversions. I will see you back here on the podcast again next week. Bye for now. 